You are listening to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer, Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties. Welcome back to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This is episode 32, and this is long overdue. Sue is going to come back, and we're going to continue to talk about STD, sexually transmitted diseases. This is the ABCs of STDs, part three. And we are talking today about pubic lice, hepatitis, and syphilis. Remember to always join us on social media because the Gay Florida Man podcast has a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a Twitter page where we have lots of additional information about everything we talk about in the podcast. So joining us, coming back to the podcast for the third and final installment of the ABCs, <laughs> unless, of course, I discover something new in my travels. He's like, if... no, you are done, girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we never know. The world's evolving. I mean, you know, you look at uh, everything that's happened with COVID. Yeah. And so we might have a fourth episode and talk about some new things that the gay Florida man has picked up in other countries. Mm. I hope we'll not. We'll need pictures for that one. You got it. You got it. It only can be put on Twitter because that's the only oh. format or only um, social media where you can actually have R-rated pictures. So. Well, since I don't Twitter and I'm not a twit, you're just going to have to text <sighs> it to me. All right. I'll Whatever Let's it say. takes. For you, yeah. Sue, because you're you're a medical professional. So that's I have right. No, I have no problem sending the pics to you. So. Scene one, scene them all. That's right. That's right. It's boring stuff. So, yes, this is the final installment of the ABCs of STDs. And so today we're going to be talking about syphilis, hepatitis, and pubic lice. That's always the one that freaks me out because you can actually see them and feel them and creepy crawlies all over you. How was your Halloween? It was quiet. We're fairly non-participators. We're pretty boring. We don't do... We used to, but now we don't. Now we just turn out the lights and hide in the basement so we don't have to answer the door. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, you know, as you get older, I was handing out full-size candy bars this year to the kids. Yeah, we were too. I mean, we have our neighbor kids that, you know, we consider our adopted kids. They come by and we, they know that interrupt us and to knock on the back door and stuff. So they, cause they get the good stuff. Uh, well, you're talking to the gay Florida man. Any type of back tour activity is is what I enjoy. It's all, and you're the lights always on. Oh, the lights always on. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you follow the social media. Well, you said you don't. You don't follow social media. Well, I do follow social media. I just don't do Twitter. Okay, it's not cool. Twitter. Did you see what I had done last week? Yes, yeah. your pictures and your costumes and all that stuff has been it's been really great. Yeah, I know but, that that's your holiday. Okay, but did you know what I had done? Because we're going to be talking about hepatitis today. This is a huge risk factor, something that I did. Oh, I didn't see that. Did you get a tattoo? I did get a tattoo. <gasps> 
So if you look at the Gay Florida Man Instagram, there are pictures of my new ink. Okay, now I'm going to have to go into Instagram. I rarely look at that too, but now I'm going to have to. All right, when we get talking, I want to see, once we get talking, I want to see your ink. That's cool. But if you go to a professional shop that knows how to sanitize and knows how to clean things up, there's less of a risk. And I think that's where we should probably start. There's no risk. With hepatitis. Because for the longest time, now if you're getting ink inside prison. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would trust that sanitation process. No, we always knew when we started (laughs) finding new cases of hepatitis that there was a new tattoo gun on the block. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, they would try and bleach their needles and, you know, with varying success, you know, the burnt paper and all that stuff that they would use for ink. I mean, there's some beautiful artists there without without a doubt. If they could have just gotten nice new single use needles, that'd be one thing. Kept them busy, but no. Yeah. If they had like a better sanitation process, but of course, I don't think that the prison is going to endorse or encourage (laughs) that behavior, but you're right. There is a lot of really talented artists that are inside prison and it's sad that they're wasting all their time sitting in prison rather than working in shops and making really good money. Cause this particular tattoo I got, it's from fallen artists tattoo shop in it's just outside of Orlando. The artist is 27. He's Vietnamese, really nice guy. He did an awesome job. I think he spent about five hours on this ink. And it's it's on my back shoulder Mm. and it's full color, lots of shading. Ooh, yeah, I love the colors. I'm, yeah, definitely the colors. For the longest time, you know, of course, you could always tell prison ink because it was always black. Yeah. The tattoos were always black. Now it's become so trendy, it's hard to tell like what's done in prison and what's done on the streets. Some people really like the black and shading and they're, they're pretty with not without a doubt. I have, you know, I have a couple of tattoos myself and I have no problem with body art. So, and if it's mm-hmm. done well and it's done in a shop, you have zero risk. The only actual things I've seen as a consequence of tattoos have been infections. If they cram those colors in too deep, okay, you know, overdid it. Right. So, but other than that, you're pretty safe there. You said you have two tattoos? Let me think. I do. I have two tattoos. One on my ankle is quite large. Are you addicted to it? Are you going to go back for more? You know, in a way, I had, I mean, I really jones for a new tattoo. And I, (laughs) when my parents passed away, I had a tattoo design that was on my left bicep. And then it kind of would wrap around that combined both my parents, you know, sort of my tribute arm there next to my heart. And had it, you know, was going to get it all done. You know, my dermatologist was not totally thrilled about it, but I was going to do it. And then I went back and I had a skin cancer that had reoccurred. Mm. And so we had to like really carve out a chunk right there. And he's just like, since that reoccurred, please don't cover that up with Mm. ink. We'll never find it. Any place where I would put one, I am now popping up with, you know, skin cancer. So it's just, sure. uh, I don't dare cover. I don't dare cover that part up. Well, I've had Got skin you. cancer three times. I'm 51. Oh. I've had it three times, twice on my face. My nose is crooked because of skin cancer where they had to <laughs> dig out part of my nose. And when they pulled it tight, I, I now know what it's like to be a fish because when they pull that tight, I was numbed up. 
but when he pulls that tight, it yanked my whole face by that that oh. suture. You must and have had a squamous cell there then. It was oh. bad. And then underneath my eye, I've got uh, you know you can see where my my face is a little sunken in on the one side, and then on my neck, battle well, wounds. You're living in the wrong state. All this happened in, well, I shouldn't say it all happened, but my first surgery was in Utah before moving to Florida. Yeah. Now that I'm here, I am like a hundred SPF guy with suntan lotion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I ended up with a melanoma on my face. They flayed my face up and like a fish. And I, uh, you know, I'll be like really good with sunblocker and covering up for about three months. And then it's like, what the heck? It's one of those things. It's tough to, you know, I don't think I wouldn't change anything that I did. Well, you no got regrets. the altitude there and you like to hike. Yeah, but all this mm -hmm. was from sun exposure and, and sun and water when I was younger. Yeah, me you too. Know. I was the kid whose mother taught him how to lay out with foil and baby oil. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so you're always you golden brown. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everything was better with the tan. You know that. That's true. I mean, you know, I'm a gay guy, so, you know, but I got to get used to the whole spray tan thing and Ugh. not tanning beds. I, no. I know if Ugh. it's not even, it looks like it kind of runs a little oh, bit. My <laughs> God. But, you know, the thing is, is I don't want to get my face carved open again. I already I, look like Frankenstein. I know. I, I as well. I don't either. Yeah, it's tough. I just have really good dermatologists on retainer. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, everything. I don't know. Spray tan. I don't know. You can see where your socks rub or your <laughs> sandals or something. No gag. But when you're in the club and you got the club music going and it's dark and everybody's drinking, so they're not really paying oh, attention to those things. You know, yeah. as a gay man, anyways. Okay. So we talk about tattoos. We talk about our number one thing, which is hepatitis that we're talking hepatitis. about today. Right. And it's been around forever, it seems like. And something I already learned from talking to you is that there's more than just ABC hepatitis. Right. right. So tell me more. We have A, B, C, D, and E. I did um, not know that. Yeah. And some variants that that's kind of where the E came from. But let's just start at the top. Hepatitis A, you get from being exposed to contaminated blood and or poop. Mm. So this is the type of hepatitis that you hear people getting. Somebody had it, worked in a restaurant, didn't wash their hands, contaminated somebody's food, and there's an outbreak of hep A. Ooh. So that's what you usually how you get it. But if you engage in practices where you may possibly be exposed to poop, you can get it that way too. You don't have to get it at your local Taco Bell. <laughs> Get it somewhere else. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Getting some other kind of ding dong bells. But the most important thing, and hepatitis A will make you very sick. It's the one that comes on fairly quickly, turns you yellow, you feel like death warmed over. But the best way is to get um, immunized for hepatitis A. One time shot, one and done, do it. And it's good for life. You're the one good shot. Good for life. Yeah. Is that. I, they might be promoting a booster or you it... might just. just get another one but i don't think it's a big deal is that something normally uh insurance will cover oh yeah yeah just prevention yeah. just prevention saves a lot of grief but it's not automatic it's not like i mean you have to go in and you have to ask your doctor yeah, like just to... go in and ask for it your health department if you go into your health department and say what do i need hook me up and they will shoot you with everything now once you have it is a curable did you say 
Yes, it is. Um, it usually goes away. A tiny, tiny percentage of people can go on to have some chronic hepatitis. Um, so there's a really good reason not to have it. It's not one of those, okay, I'll just have it done once and forget it. No, you're way too sick and the risk is not huge, but there. And untreated, what does it do? You said that you turn yellow because it, it's affecting your liver. Right. All the hepatitis affect your liver. That's where they do all their work. Ugh. You turn yellow, you know, you're nauseated, you can't eat. It's really, it's a terrible disease to have, but generally people get over it. Okay. Um, but a small percentage, their immune system sucks or they have other things going on, might not get over it. Expense for the treatment of hepatitis A is if you don't have insurance, is that a expensive? Not generally. It's usually just done at home, fluids and things like that. So there isn't any antibiotics or any sorts of things that you have to buy unless it's It's, just symptomatic kind of stuff. Based on what you've told me so far, people really need to be alarmed because whether you're at a restaurant and you eat a salad or you're home with your partner and you toss a salad, there's always going to be a risk there with hepatitis there, A. Yeah, there is. And <laughs> there are some outbreaks on foods, too. I saw, I think the last outbreak of hepatitis was on strawberries. Ugh. So, like, if the yeah. people that are picking them are not completely clean or, you know, not cleaning up in the restroom and then they touch the strawberries, that could end up in your system and you could be at risk. Or the fields are contaminated because it's typically things that grow on dirt. Oh, that touch gotcha. dirt. So maybe there's some sort of contamination in the dirt or at a, or at a restaurant. Gross. Yeah, it is gross. Just get the shot. Don't worry about it. then you you can eat any dive with impunity there we go there we go uh hepatitis b hepatitis b this is the actually one of the ugly ones you get hepatitis b through blood and semen so needles sex um you can get it by sharing razors and toothbrushes if somebody has like bad dentition and you share their toothbrush you could conceivably i know it's gross Yeah, sorry for the mental picture. You could conceivably (laughs) get it that way, but typically um, needles and sex. Starting today, I will not share my toothbrush anymore. Good for you. And stop (laughs) doing flushing the toilet with it too while you're there. Like that does not clean it. So nasty. I know. The problem with hepatitis B is up to 6% of adults can have chronic hepatitis B and suffer liver damage, but you have liver damage before you even know that you have it. and Before you, you show know, symptoms? Before you show symptoms of liver damage, your liver can be mostly shot. Oh. Your liver is amazingly resilient. So you might not know that you have had, you know, you had an upset stomach and stomach pain and nausea, you know, 10 years ago. Okay, whatever. Or high-risk sex or blood transfusion. And you don't know. You've never been tested. Then somebody tests you, sees your liver's crapped, and then find out that you have hepatitis B. It's an ugly one, very ugly. There is a vaccine for it as well. So get vaccinated, and then you don't have to worry about it. Okay. And uh, once you have it, if you catch it early, hopefully, is there a way to treat then for people Um, that have hepatitis B? I couldn't find any one specific drug to treat it. Generally, they watch it because mostly people are going to get better and go away and it's okay. going to go away. So then you would see if it became chronic and what went on with that. So yeah, but there are some new meds. I can't tell you the name of it, but generally they wait to see. 
unless you were, you know, with a known contact that has hepatitis B and they tested you and you've got it and then they can try it. But if it's just sort of a random illness, you might not even know. The shot to prevent this, is it the same shot as A or it's a completely different shot that you got to get for B? You can get it in the same shot. Oh, okay. So it's one shot for both A and B. Yep. Or, or it can be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how I did. Well, back years ago, back in the age of the dinosaur, um, when they <laughs> first came out with vaccines, um, as nurses, we got them, but they were made out of plasma, but we were so exposed. It's like, okay, give it. And right. then three or four years later, they were finding cases of HIV that were transmitted by the hepatitis B vaccine because they used oh. plasma. That was pleasant. We had to be tested for that. And that was back in the day when we had nothing. And then repeat our hepatitis B vaccines with the new kind that don't involve plasma. So that was another one of those risks that nobody really paid too much. Well, all of us nurses did. Wow. Didn't really make the news there. But it's like, okay, let's make sure we don't have HIV before because there were some. No kidding. Yeah. So up to this point, the one thing I've learned is to prevent all of this, go get a shot. So go get a shot. Risk. So easy. One and done. Hepatitis C. Hepatitis C. Um, mostly with IV drugs or high-risk sex with their significant blood transmitted or exposed. IV drugs, blood transfusions, blood transfusions prior to 1992. So that's why you see all these commercials for these hepatitis C medications that have all these old people. Very possible. Who knows what they did when they were younger, but they might have also just simply had a blood transfusion that mm. wasn't screened for hepatitis C and then gotten hepatitis C. And hep C can lay dormant for a long time, and then it can go on to destroy your liver and give you liver cancer. So. Okay, when you say dormant, it's in your system, but it's not actively killing well, your liver? it is actively killing your liver. Just to clarify, you just might not know your liver's sick. You don't turn yellow like you do with A. Right, not until the very end. Ugh, and then the damage is done. The damage is done. It is the most common um, cause for liver transplants. Oh, and treatment? Liver transplants? Really? No vaccines as of yet. There are some new medications if it's found, and they used to be have horrible, horrible side effects. Um, but now the side effects of the meds are really reasonable, and they work great. I think it's, in most cases, only a three-month treatment. could be a little bit longer depending on, on I know things. nothing about eligibility for transplants, but... If you're not a high risk or a, a drug user or, I mean, I don't know how they screen out somebody that's a good candidate for a new liver. If they've gotten sick because of hepatitis C, do they look at the fact if somebody has high risk behavior, they look at all this stuff? Oh, I don't they, even know. They do. They do. Actually, when I worked at LD and shock trauma, we were the first unit that took liver transplants mm -hmm. in Utah. So things have changed a little bit since then, but they do evaluate if your current if your risk factor is ongoing if you continue to use drugs or drink then you slide off the list what stops somebody from lying it's like oh no i i, I don't drink anymore tests it's real easy to test for 
and then you can tell it's like, yeah, literally, yep. I can smell the liquor on your breath. Pee in that, yeah, pee, <laughs> pee in this cup, and I could see if you've had a drink in the last five days. <laughs> They've got receipts from the bar in their pocket. No, I gave yep. it up a long time ago. No, yeah, this was last year's. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you don't want to give a liver transplant. Somebody's just going to turn around and waste it. Of Although course, it's, that's... I mean, it's been done. You know, and then somebody relapses and things like that. So there is no other, at least in Utah, transplant lists are nationwide, but they want to give it to people who are going to take care of it. Let's put it that way. Right. For anybody that has hepatitis, like at what point do you get tested? If you have not gotten a shot, should you go in and get tested to make sure you're clean of any type of hepatitis? Yes, every year. And then uh, every year you should. Is it yeah. something they normally do with blood work? Not unless they ask. Not unless okay. they know that they're treating someone who has a high-risk lifestyle. Most people with high-risk lifestyles don't divulge. So, Well, I imagine in either your field, in the medical field, or somebody that works in corrections or as a police officer and that sort of thing, that would be something they should test for regularly because you're constantly exposed to people that you're arresting, putting in custody, or criminals that you're searching and you're searching their clothes and their cell and right and nothing is more fun than a needle stick <laughs> or a blood contamination so those generally what happens is they will test right then to make sure that the person's negative and then test again i think one month and three months something like that to make sure that they're still negative i have a lot of respect for an addict because you know, having a needle dragged over and punctured into my skin for five hours last Sunday, I'm definitely <laughs> not at risk for becoming a heroin addict. Not my thing. Nope. You'd be surprised if you had that associated, and I don't want to trigger anybody that might be listening to this because I've seen it happen, but if you drag that needle and then you got the immediate most awesome rush of your life, mm -hmm. you'd be dragging that needle. I tell you, before More. anybody should ever try to use drugs like heroin or intravenous drugs, they should seriously go get a tattoo because <laughs> I think the desire would be lessened and you wouldn't want to ever fall into that trap of the euphoric feeling that drugs give you. I don't think so. I know a lot of people that have tattoos simply to satisfy that. Really? Yeah. They get a rush off the needle itself. Wow. I'm the yeah. odd but that's yeah. part of the course I normally am. So yeah. hepatitis, uh, where are we at? We did A, B, C, D. Oh, we D. are doing um, D and E are just variants. They're sort of mutate. And oh, back to C for a minute. The okay. reason we don't have a vaccine for that is because it keeps mutating. Mm. Um, it just is, keeps changing around. Sound familiar? Hepatitis D and E are also variants of C. But if you get a vaccine, for hepatitis B, you won't get hepatitis D. Interesting. The B vaccine also covers you for a variant. And hepatitis E is sort of this random little hepatitis that you get from poop or mm. from undertreated pork and venison, wild boar, whoever eats that, and uh, mm. shellfish. Mm -mm, I know. Maybe oh, I if you were shellfish. over... Uh, well, yeah, but there have been go down to the coast and you eat your weight in oysters and you do actually <laughs> put yourself at risk, which uh, interesting. I do. I just eat myself into a 
coma later when I get home and we go to New Orleans. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't is, care. I'm going to suffer later. Does that cover the hepatitis? That's all of them so far. Okay. Yeah. Well, we were just talking about shellfish. So let's jump into crabs. Oh, okay. That was an easy one. Yeah. Anybody should be able to tell they have crabs. Everything feels like they're, it's creepy crawly in the, in the nether regions. And you can get head lice and you can get crabs. And the two stay in their own hoods. They don't cross. <laughs> you don't get crabs on your head. And you don't get head lice what, in what's the, the Other than the fact of where they hang out <laughs> what's up uh, is there any differences between them i mean are they from the same family of yeah they're from the same family they just look different and they exist a little bit differently and i cannot tell you why crabs don't cohabitate with head lice i cannot That's tell you why crazy and so i see like crabs is basically like gang members you know i'm from the south side and i'm from the right. north side so we each yeah. have our own turf yeah and the belly button, we're meeting there. It's where the rumble is if you have a heavy <laughs> belly button. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Somebody that's extremely hairy. So this, basically, I'm telling people in the bear community. Sure. Like your back, if you got a hairy back, would that be pubic lice or would that be head lice? Yeah, that's a really good question. I hadn't actually <laughs> thought about back hair before, but I'm thinking it would probably be more pubic. Really? We know bears who's you know head hair grows all the way down you know they oh yeah braided into their back hair so yes i yeah. maybe there's a rumble there i don't know <laughs> <laughs> how hard is it to treat uh either head lice or pubic lice crap not hard not hard it's an over-the-counter medicine so you just if you want to trim or shave you can do that that won't eliminate it but then you suds up and then with this over-the-counter shampoo and run around, I think it's five or ten minutes. And then rinse it off and then you should repeat it again in two weeks because that's the life cycle. See, I had a friend of mine and he was dating this guy and they broke up because his partner had gotten addicted to methamphetamine. And so he had to kick him out. But he still felt bad for him and would occasionally allow the guy to come back to his house. The guy was homeless, the, the mm. one that he'd kicked out. And so he had let him come over to the house to do his laundry and, you know, shower and everything. And he realized that the guy had brought lice into the house. For fun. Yeah, and so there's lice all over the bedding and the kids' beds. Yeah, uh, infestation in the house. So no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. Yeah, ugh. So it's a, a relatively inexpensive treatment. Could somebody like just get Dawn or it has to be some type of medicine, some type of medicated? No, it has to be a medicated. It's permethrin. Okay. I mean, it's super common. You can get it without a prescription. Permethrin is safe. It's used in a lot of things. It's even used in head and shoulders. But I don't know <laughs> if the percentage is the same. I use it on my chickens. It should be that. If somebody has a really resistant case, there's a oral medication that can be prescribed that we used to do now and again if we had these, if we had a family of kids that we could not get better. You don't want to do it if you don't have to. So the topical stuff, if you get on it and you do all the everything you're supposed to, it'll kill it. You know, it seems like it's such a common trend now that the younger generation, they like to shave all their body hair, like girls and guys. Sure. They, 
do you reduce the risk at all as far as like um, if you're I, hairless? I think that's a good point. And I think, yeah, that you probably would because you wouldn't have anything for the little knits for the little lice to lay their eggs on because those Ugh. stick to your hair. So you have to remove those from the hair shaft as well. So the eggs are on the hair shaft of your yes. body hair. Yes. Oh, that's so gross. And it how is. how is it typically transferred? Like, you know, I mean, God, I hope I'm never in a situation where I'm making out with some guy that's got any type of I lice. You look, you look down and something's moving. Well, I mean, um, if I'm performing oral, you. if I'm yeah. performing oral sex and something's running on my nose. Oh, <laughs> God. Fuck. God. Dude, yeah, do you I've... have pubic lice? Because oh. like, I feel something in my mouth that's moving. Oh, spit. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah. Oh, thanks for that mental picture. <laughs> I'm sitting here drinking a cup honest. of tea. I'm not sure whether I want to <laughs> spit or swallow. <laughs> never, never spit. You know, you're going to really disappoint a gay guy if you, if you spit. This <laughs> <laughs> snorted herbal yeah, tea good. through my nose. Good. Oh, okay. You're thinking about that pubic lice that's yeah. running all over your face. I mean, I'm no, oh. seriously, though. Imagine, though. I've never even heard other than that one friend of mine story that I just told you, but I've never actually heard other than like, you know, children getting lice from like a school setting. Head lice. Yeah. You know, Ats from other kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I've never actually uh, heard of an adult getting uh, either crabs or uh, regular lice. To be honest with you, I don't know how common it is because it's so easy to fix. People are mm -hmm. like, oh my God, and creepy crawly, and then they get out the razor and then they slather up with the stuff. Okay. Once you so. lather up, though, is there still a risk in your? I mean, you got to remember to wash your bedding and everything. I imagine there's still yep. those things, the eggs and stuff inside your yep. bedding. Yep. You still got to do the whole wash it in hot, dry it in hot, or freeze it. Oh, okay. Freeze it. I didn't know that was another alternative. Yeah, for like all those stuffed animals on your bed that you oh. closet when somebody comes over, all of those things you can just stick them in a plastic bag and put them in your freezer. Oh, okay. The dog toys, you know, because yeah, the dog you don't have to. Bed. Yeah, you don't have to wreck them by washing them. With lice and with crabs, is there a, a chance that those things will get onto animals in your house? Like if your animals stay in the bed with you, your cats, your dogs, can those? No, they are mm. species specific. Okay. Because I know I've had dogs with fleas. Right. Where I've had to do flea treatment, and that was a pain in the ass. It, it is. Plus, they bite. I mean, that's... Ew. They're just gross. Just yeah. totally gross. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, but, fleas are getting more common in Utah, which I was unhappy to hear about a month ago. Ugh. Now, why is that? Climate change. It's not cold enough here anymore to kill them. Oh, wow. Not cold See, enough long enough. When I lived in Utah, there was so many things that were not an issue like the rest of the United States because I had originally grown up in Virginia. When I moved out to Utah, I never saw like cockroaches other than the prison. Uh, yeah, right. Those are world class out there. Oh, oh they're huge. No, I mean, yeah. like they're the size of a dog. You could put a collar on some of those well, motherfuckers. Yeah. Sonny did the one for the his. <laughs> His cockroach was the one in the stand, the movie they filmed out there. It's <laughs> true. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. The one that they brought in for the movie was lethargic and it wouldn't move. 
altitude. I don't know. Whatever the problem was. So he's like, wait. He went down to the culinary and grabbed this big old cockroach. And then they popped it into that, what's his name's cell there. They filmed that stand. They filmed the stand there. I think that's fantastic that the LA roach has refused to work in Utah. I can't work in these conditions. Yeah. Sorry, not union. (laughs) Right. It's a right to work state. (laughs) Fuck this. I want to go back to LA. That's great. Even the roaches have a problem. Yeah. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. Okay. So syphilis. So syphilis. Oh, this is a fun one because we have a mutual story about our favorite <laughs> lady with syphilis. So syphilis actually was doing some reading today because I wanted to see where syphilis started. I always thought that Columbus brought it to the natives, but there is some well-documented cases of it already being on this continent and then going back hmm. with Columbus. But at any rate, but it seems to be on both continents fairly equally. But it used to be a literally horrifying, horrifying disease. It was what they refer to as the pox. Hmm. So in literature, you see, you know, are they poxed? They're talking about syphilis. So syphilis is an STD. You get it through sex. The first sign that you have syphilis is a generally um, painless ulcer on your penis or anywhere around there or your bottom or your mouth. You know, some people might think it's just a, you know, an oral cold sore that didn't go away or, oh, it doesn't hurt. I got it caught in the zipper or something, whatever that is. (laughs) So, (laughs) But this one doesn't heal. Yeah, it doesn't heal generally. And then about 90 days later, you get the rash and that typical rash will be on the palms or the bottom of the feet. I've seen syphilis. I have never seen syphilis rash, however, so can't tell you firsthand what the rash looks like, but it's a red thing. But it's typically when you see somebody with a the rash on their hands and feet, you think syphilis, which is why this recent monkeypox outbreak freaked everybody out because it looks very similar. Mm. There's not a lot of things that rash up on palms and bottom of your feet. So that's the initial symptom is that's like the, the sore, the, the rash. Sore. And then the latent phase is when you get the rash and then it apparently goes away. But it doesn't really. And then it goes to your organs and it can hang out in your organs for up to 15 years and just destroys your organs. Syphilis is, is a horrible disease. The syphilis that we have now seems to be a little bit better than the syphilis they used to have because syphilis now doesn't like eat your face away and eat your cartilage away and it's really it was a horrifying death i mean it was number in world war one stds were the second most common reason that soldiers were sent from the front other than war wounds and stds Wait, wait, they were having sex on the the front lines? Well, every time they conquered a city from one way or the other. Oh, I was thinking, you were like describing a really hot porno, Sue. Because I was thinking, like, troop on troop, like, you know, gang bangs with all the soldiers. I'm like, where was I? In the middle of the mud and the barbed wire, yeah. Well, you know, some gay guys like to play in the mud, Sue. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Yay. I could have been. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to Shishi Maru about a possible porno plot. Oh, yeah. You, you know. That old without, wrestling thing. Without the syphilis. Yeah, you know. without the syphilis. But at any rate, the problem with syphilis is it can go latent 
um, which means it just kind of goes into hiding and it affects other organs if you're unlucky. And if you're really unlucky, it affects the brain. You get demented and crazy. Mm. And I have a list of people here that died with syphilis. Like this famous is, people? Yes, very short list. I mean, okay. my list is, the list is long, but my list is short. Toulouse-Lautrec, <laughs> Toulouse Gawquin, the painter, Oscar Wilde, Al Capone, Napoleon, Scott Joplin, you know, the ragtime player. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. All those people died with syphilis. Napoleon. Yeah. Interesting. Or the other thing that may have killed Napoleon was the mercury poisoning that he got from treating the syphilis. So, oh, same, same. They were treating syphilis with mercury. Mercury has been used for centuries to try and treat syphilis because it's so beastly. And it didn't really do a good job. The side effects of mercury poisoning are similar to end-stage syphilis. So oh. mercury makes your teeth fall out and gives you neuropathy and you can't feel your hands and feet. And so probably die of all of it. So it was pretty awful. Wow. And then they started using arsenic about 1915-ish or so. They came up with a formulation of arsenic that would kill syphilis but it also had some really bad side effects Oof. yeah so. arsenic is another thing like with mercury i'm like i don't yeah. this is all news to me i don't see any of those as being a good medicine right well <laughs> if you're desperate to get probably sure. half of your soldiers back on the front lines in the 1700s because they've all run through naples italy and spread it all over europe <laughs> and now they're half dead from not even war wounds you will probably try anything. You know, so. I love a man in uniform, Sue. Apparently, so did a lot of Italian women. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. Or men. I don't know. Or men, yes. I don't know how their parties went, but they spread it around. We don't yep. discriminate on this podcast. Men or no, women. Men or women. Sex is sex when it comes to syphilis. Ooh. And we are going to talk about Miss Rita... Because Mark knows Miss Rita, and I took care of Miss Rita out at the prison. Tell me if I'm correct. The story that I'd always heard was that Rita used to work as a lady of the night. Yes, she was and a sex worker. She was in prison. Did she kill her John or her pimp? Because I've heard a couple of different variants on that. I never looked her jacket, but um, mm. I heard it was her John. I don't know how old she was when you God. saw her, Sue. But so when I saw her, old. yeah, she was very broken down. When you take one look at her, I was not thinking pretty woman with... Um, yeah, like ever. I was definitely not thinking pretty woman. No. I was thinking more along the lines of Morgan Freeman and a female version. Uh, with an extra, I don't know, at one time about 200 pounds. She was... She was heavy. She was heavy. She was so she was a sex worker and she killed somebody with a shovel, whether it was her pimp or her John, I'm not sure. But then she got syphilis, she got tertiary syphilis, so it infected her brain. And she got incredibly demented, completely unpredictable. And even though we, you know, she was shoved full of penicillin so that she wasn't shedding the syphilis virus anymore. Should somebody have wanted to have sex with her, they would have been safe that way. Mm -hmm. But um, she was still affected by it. And from our point of view, 
I mean, she was so unpredictable that if I had her in an exam room, I had to have a couple of officers with me to make sure that she, I didn't say something wrong. And she went off because she was dangerous. She, we would switch her back and forth to the, um, Oh, the state hospital, the state hospital. Thank you. Mm -hmm. When we couldn't handle her, they would take her and they would try and get her stabilized on meds, but because she was demented, it didn't really work. And then, um, she broke the back of one of their aides there. And so she got sent back. She was difficult to handle. See, now when I dealt with her, she was a broken down old woman. And Sonny could get that woman to do just about anything. Yep. Oh, I'm sure. I'm she sure she liked had the, him. She really enjoyed uh, white guys. Yeah, she because liked it. whenever she see me, she goes, "How you doing, sugar?" <laughs> she looked almost like a Muppet because she was so old. She had that white hair, <laughs> and she always put on lots and lots of bright red lipstick. <laughs> Come on, give me a kiss. <laughs> she that was. Do you remember the yellow wig? No. By the time I met her, <laughs> it was just that wiry white hair like the scarecrow yeah. from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But white. She had to wear a diaper. There was one particular chair. They finally were smart enough to put a plastic chair in the section because she would constantly just leak, you know, from her vagina. Just the urine would leak it all over oh, the fabric yeah. seats. It starts to ferment that urine in the seat, and then the whole section smells like a combination of her vagina and old urine and whatever else. Yeah. They finally put a plastic chair, and that was Rita's chair. But I remember one time I had gone into the section with the nurse, Mark, and he would go in the cell, and he would make sure that she had plenty of diapers, and there was another inmate that was in the section that would help Rita with whatever she needed. But I remember we had to go into her cell to give her meds, and she was sitting on her bed, and she stood up, she was, ah, 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 and she kind of lifted up a little bit her one leg, and just urine started streaming out. Uh -huh. She was standing there, and just a pool of urine between her feet on the floor. <laughs> and I said, fuck this, I'm not a nurse. So I, I stepped uh, out. If there was ever anybody that needed to be in a different sorts of facility, it was Rita, but then the problem was she was so unpredictable and mean. You know, nobody would take her. Sunny would. Then this was back before I think before you were there when we had the. Um, we only had like the what six or seven psych cells and med cells before they remodeled. Yeah. So she was on the psych side one time, and she was just losing her. She was just horrible over there. So Sunny got her some lipstick. And her yellow wig, which, and then she jammed that on there. He got her the keyboard back when we could still have the keyboard. So it was up in, um, it was a Charlie Block or Baker Block, um, when they could have a keyboard and play some music and whatever. So he gave her the keyboard and put it in her cell there and stayed right with her. And that woman could play a mean jazz boogie woogie piano. Whatever else was mm. wrong with her head, she could play. Wow. And they'd sing, come on, sugar, come speak with me. I did, honey. Well, I know that between the time that you saw her and then I got introduced, that must have been a long time. Because yeah, probably. The, I mean, eight, she was just. Years, probably. She was just broken down so bad. I mean, she, like I said, had to wear diapers and she had to have another inmate, a sister. She definitely was not acting out violent. I mean, maybe if she spit or something, I don't know, but she's. Um. I never had a problem with her. I mean, she was 
always compliant. I, She'd stand up for count and do whatever she needed to do. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with her, but some of the others did. We didn't take a chance with her. But if she is indicative of what people used to be like in the 1700s and 1800s when they were oh, dying God. of syphilis, you know, you'd not only have the person that's dying of syphilis like that, but then, like you say, you have to have somebody that takes care of them. Mm -hmm. So you're really having a major impact on society. I mean, considered to be the scourge next to the bubonic plague, well, the black plague, syphilis was a scourge. So they would try anything, you know, mercury, arsenic, anything. And then finally in the 40s, they tried penicillin and mm -hmm. penicillin now works great. You and is penicillin pretty inexpensive? It's fairly inexpensive. Yeah, it has okay. to be. It's a it's a big painful shot. Um, it has to be given by you know a nurse or, or the health department. Depends where you are. If you just initially got syphilis, uh, you're just diagnosed and it's brand new, then you can fix it with one shot. Gotcha. Rita was so old when I met her. I wonder if she's the one who gave Napoleon his syphilis. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, Maybe he just... she's the one that helped work through the World War One. <laughs> right. I she, don't know. she could be because she was yeah. really old when I met her. Yeah. She yeah, made the round. Possible. She may have had the original variant. Who knows? Yeah. She could have changed history if she Napoleon could've. had a shovel laying around. Yep. Mm. Yep. Oh, well. So any other closing thoughts on um, syphilis? On syphilis? Nope. Just make sure you get, that's another one that you should be screened for yearly if you have a high-risk lifestyle. If you're sexually active and yeah. if you're sleeping with world leaders taking over other countries or mobsters. Anybody that says, oh, I'm fine. Six months ago, I had a little sore on my beard, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or prostitutes that kill their johns with shovels. Yep. You're high risk. Or people that you're paying for sex, or you're having sex in addition to using drugs, because that impairs your judgment. judgment. Mm. You should be tested yearly for syphilis. One test, if it's negative, it's negative. So syphilis, to actually diagnose it, requires two blood tests. So sometimes people don't want to follow up on that. Yeah, mm. given the alternatives of being batshit crazy and having terrible pain in your joints and stuff, a small blood test and a couple of penicillin shots are minor. To follow up with what we talked about the last two episodes, talking about the ABCs of STDs, when you go in, if you're sexually active or if you have a drug problem or these other high-risk behaviors, if you go in and you get the panel for STDs, syphilis is going to be on that panel, correct? Is there a different panel? I don't know panel? that there's a panel for STDs. I've gone in and I said, you know, test me for everything. So I assumed it's just called a panel. Am I using the wrong term? Uh, right. There probably isn't a panel. You just hope that your provider is savvy enough to go, oh, this, 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 and this. You want to be tested for everything. Sometimes there's specifics or I've already had my immunization for this. I've had my vaccine for B. I don't have to be tested for that. But syphilis is becoming more prevalent because it's not being tested for I think you should go in with a list and say, I want to be tested for these. If you have a panel for it, great. If not, I want it extra. Well, I'm hoping that my doctor will actually listen to this podcast so that he'll know in the future. <laughs> now that he's heard me, he's going to say, test that motherfucker. Oh, my everything. God. Mark is such a tramp. Let's oh, just... my God. What a whore. Him and Rita. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Get we everything. Just... 
He did say he hung out with her for a minute there. So, yeah. How you doing, honey? <laughs> hey, oh, look, you know. Yeah. I told you what she called Sunny. I don't think I can say it on your podcast, but. Yeah, you did tell me that. Yeah. yeah we yeah. We can't say that word. But she I, met she, him lovingly. She liked him. She was very crass. I mean, she had no problem talking like a sailor. That's for sure. If you got her mad, she would get real verbal abusive, but never physical when I dealt with her. Mm -hmm. So she was a character. She was one of the reasons that job was fun when I worked there. Well, she mellowed as she aged, for yeah, sure. Yeah, she. Yeah, it sounds like she was really mean. Do you think it's because of the syphilis that she was so mean? You know, that's interesting. I don't know. I mm. don't know. I mean, the woman clearly had a, a horrible history. Would she have been that mean anyway? I don't know. All the prostitutes that I've ever met have been very, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> who else was? Who else was was mean out there though? Um, I, you know, I bet we didn't even deal with the same people, though, in, in most cases, other than My, the uh, ones that we... I think she was a lifer. I think she probably would have been there, but... Yeah, prostitutes are generally kind. Who knows if they're mean in their, you know, <laughs> off life. As long as they're getting paid, they're real sweethearts. Yeah. Well, Rita wasn't getting paid. <laughs> no, she wasn't. She sure wasn't. <laughs> well, Sue, I'm sad to say that that wraps up our final episode on the abcs of stds so unless i decide to travel the world and discover some new sexually transmitted disease i don't know um what else we can talk about but i do have a question for you sue if i do go out and i discover something new like say a new monkeypox or syphilis gonorrhea chlamydia or a combination thereof do i get to name it <laughs> uh I don't know, but I want to hear about it first so that we can work on that. Yeah, I, I'm going to think of something really good. DeWolfus Maximus? I don't know. Ooh, I like it. You're on the right track, Sue. I like it a lot. Well, okay. well, this is fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Sue. I'm sure that it's sooner or later you're going to come back on and we can talk more about prison stories. Okay. I know in the future, I'm going to be having an infirmary officer that was there years after you had left. He's going to be coming on here, I think, next week, talking about the infirmary from wow. the officer standpoint. All right. Well, this wraps up our episode on the ABCs of STDs, part three. I'm going to end this episode with the same thing that I tell you every week, and that is to be good. And if you can't be good, be good at it. And if you're sitting in prison, you're not good at it. Good night, everybody. <laughs>